to another episode of Clean Talk. We are here at Baytick in Tampa, Florida. It is February 23rd, 2023, and we're here with infection preventionists and technology leaders in the infection prevention space, uh, furthering the mission of infection prevention and healthcare. And I'm very proud to have my guest here today with me. Misha Blake Powell is an infection control practitioner at Baycare here in the Tampa area. Misha, welcome to Clean Talk. Thank you for having me. Well, we're so excited to have you on the show today. And Misha, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background and why you're on Clean Talk today. So I am on Clean Talk today because Brad invited me from a happy hour. <laughs> Good answer. However, um, watched a few of the podcasts and um, this is definitely an opening for infection control practitioners to really dive in and look at what is going on around the world. We don't, we know we don't have a, a platform like this to see, you know, just the, the truth of what's going on in different healthcare system and in different, um, different hospitals and, and nursing homes and all of that. So I'm really happy to be here. A little about my background. I am from microbiology so I used to work in the field of microbiology for almost 10 years, and I really get, got a lot of pleasure, and, and it was very satisfying for me to work in that field. But what made me move to infection control practitioner as a microbiologist, I felt like I was on the reactive end. So I would always get the cultures, and the infection has already happened. But um, on the infection control and prevention side, I can help the infection or prevent the infection from happening. And so I feel like this was more a proactive approach versus the reactive approach in microbiology that I had as my background. That's fantastic. And that's why we're here, right? And uh, BAPIC is the Tampa Bay Area Regional APIC Show. Of course, APIC, the Association for Professionals in Infection Control. And we're here sharing best practices about preventing infections. And Misha, very interested to hear from you you know, some of the recent challenges that you've been facing, I know we spoke uh, earlier about some of the emerging um, uh, pandemics or potential pathogens that we're finding in the healthcare systems that maybe weren't so common before. We're all familiar with the superbugs, the viruses, and the bacterial infections that can be prevalent in a healthcare setting. But now there's some, some new uh, dangers that we need to be aware of. And uh, we've all heard about the fungal uh, infections from Candida auroris. Is this an issue that you're dealing with in, in your system today? Absolutely. And every hospital in the United States, some states a little bit more prevalent than others. You have California, Florida, New York, Chicago. I think those are the more hot spots. But basically, we've dealt with the MRSAs, the Acinetobacters. Those are the, your bacteria. Um, we've dealt with the COVID, which is a viral infection. We're going to get to COVID, but... <laughs> and candida. now, Candida, a fungal infection. This is one that is very challenging because um, while we're not seeing a lot of infections, we're seeing a lot of colonization. And um, the mortality rate with this organism is very high. And there's not very many antifungals to treat this organism with. So basically, when we get a patient um, that is positive, we have to make sure that we're isolating that patient. We're doing proper cleaning. We're using the aid of UV technology to help us with the cleaning of the rooms and equipments. But basically, it's very challenging on the team because every patient that is colonized, you have to put on all the PPE. You have to be very diligent with hand hygiene because it does spread. Um, from the hands of healthcare professionals. And, and so any lapse in hand hygiene is going to result in 
potentially another patient being colonized with this. And when they're colonized, we consider them colonized for life. So any suppression in their immune system, like just any other fungus, any suppression in their immune system can lead to this organism that is just on the skin to become an infection. And the, like we said, the mortality rate is high. Now you said colonized for life. Can you explain that? I mean, once you're colonized, is there no fungal remedy that... Uh, There's no decolonization at the moment. So for all the pharmaceuticals out there, there's no decolonization out there. And we would like to have something to help with this um, organism. Because if we could decolonize the patient, then this would not be so labor intensive because then they can come off of isolation if we were able to decolonize them and prove it. Um, the technology that we use to test for this organism is PCR. It's very fast turnover. So we'll know right away. But really and truly, the recommendations are it's not a one test and done. And if you're negative, you're negative. We tend to retest you like seven days later and paying close attention to your CHG baths and all of that, making sure that we get a really good sample to test so that we can make sure that the patient is colonized or not colonized. Now, Candida has been emerging more recently. How do you determine uh, who gets a PCR test? Is it everyone who gets admitted or what makes the determination that maybe we need to look at? So basically, we have what you call hot spots, places that um, are we've identified positives from. And so because it's so easy to spread, we tend to retest these places. And then you also have high risk patients. So those patients with trachs and vents and foleys and central line, basically patients that have a lot of care. Um, requiring a lot of care. Those patients are going to be your higher risk patients. And if they live in a long-term care, yeah, immunocompromised, if they live in a long-term care facility. Um, so we kind of have like categories and criteria that we use to determine who we want to screen and who should be screened. Now, if we can't decolonize Candida auroris, obviously the prevention of cross-contamination is extremely important. Very you mentioned that you're using UVC technology for whole room disinfection. Is there anything more you can tell us about uh, those products? Do you know what technology is uh, being utilized? You're using UV robots or? We're using UV robots. And um, basically the, the aim of it before we get to UVC is proper terminal clean, making sure that we're using products that are approved for candida auris, making sure that we're getting the high touch surfaces and really just making sure that we're cleaning everywhere potentially that the patient or the healthcare providers may have touched. Now, we've talked a lot in the past on this show about the increase in cross-contamination from superbugs, often as a result of the overuse of antibiotics. Now, what is causing candida to now be emerging? Because it's fungal. So that's not is that an effect from antibiotic use or there's no relation? It can be. So okay. your broad spectrum antimicrobials, um, those are going to kill. So candida infections are often opportunistic. So when your body's not at its best, then candida can overrun the system. So therefore, um, when we put patients on broad spectrum antimicrobials or inappropriate antimicrobials or antibiotics that they really don't need, what that does is it kills your normal flora. So if you're colonized with something, and it's not going to kill the candida because that's a fungus. Fungal. So when you um, your body becomes immunocompromised uh, from um, antibiotic use, then what happens is the candida has no competition, so it's able to grow and cause infections. Well, and of course, I love that you said, you know, the important thing is the terminal cleaning and then using UVC for disinfection. 
And this is a trend that we're seeing, right? We had antibiotics that were kind of the, the magic pill and uh, uh, we got away from the terminal cleaning being the priority. And now it's come full circle. Um, have you done any new measures within the facility to increase your terminal cleaning? Or is that all done by, uh, how, how is the terminal cleaning done at BayCare? Um, it's done by EVS and it's very strategic. Like each um, EVS personnel gets proper training on cleaning the room. The areas that to focus on the disinfection to use. So basically if a patient is like, on C. diff, you're going to use something totally different from it, your general, the general cleaning things that you use in general, because you want to use basically what's going to kill what you suspect that is in the room. But in general, like terminal clean is very specific and strategic. You start from clean to dirty, high to low, like very specific training that everyone gets to make sure that we're doing it all the same and we're doing it properly. And then you follow up with UVC disinfection, which is an automated system, right? Yes. So that takes the, the human element out of it, following yes. after the terminal cleaning. And uh, I think it's fair to say that UVC is uh, somewhat of a nuclear weapon. It's effective against viral, yes. bacterial, and fungal, right? Yes. Fantastic. Yes. So um, what other things are you seeing uh, that have changed? I really want to talk a little bit about any changes you've seen as a result of the COVID pandemic. Um, so we know that we were making great strides in reducing hospital acquired infections and then COVID came along yes. and we had to shift our resources. <laughs> yes. And we know that some facilities then have had a spike uh, in, in hospital acquired infections. And are you seeing that or have you been able to combat that? Are we, what do you attribute that increase in the HAIs as a result of COVID What's the correlation? Um, it can be a multiplicity of things. So, I mean, our practices had shift initially. Um, basically, there was a PPE shortage across the board. And, Protective equipment. Yeah, and there's a um, shortage across the board of nursing staff, laboratory, I mean, respiratory. There's just a shortage across the board. And so when one person is required to do more, then you know there's things that are definitely going to get missed. So this is not something that we've studied, but it's just something that is you you know is happening. Also, what I can say is we've definitely come back down from the spike in the infections. COVID, good news. COVID, what it, it it overruns the patient's immune system, and so it it opens them up to more infections. So we have patients staying in the hospital longer. So then we see more pneumonias. You have patients, the longer you stay in the hospital, the more likely you are to pick up hospital-acquired infection. So, I mean, with the lengthy stays and the more frequent readmissions, because a lot of these patients, they would come in, they're doing good. They go home and then they started doing worse. So, and then they already had underlying issues like COPD. Um, those are the patients that we saw staying in our hospital longer. And so basically, if you're in a hospital longer, you're definitely going to have more infections. Absolutely. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, other things we can talk about. So um, what you mentioned, the shortages of PPE, you know, some of those issues have evened Definitely. out, right? Yes. But we still have a shortage of great infection control practitioners <laughs> like yourself. So thank you. I think it's fantastic. You come from a biology background. How did you find your way to infection prevention? You wanted to get on the front end of it? Is that the... Yes, I wanted to get on the front end of it. And I did, um, I went to Shadow. So um, at the facility that I worked at before, 
We did um, transplants and um, cystic fibrosis patients. So we were very involved with that, um, with the infection control team. And so we asked, can we shadow? Can we see what you do? Because they, we had a good relationship. They would call us for stuff and we would call them when we find stuff out. And when I shadowed them, I, I, I thought it was something that I wanted to do. So I applied to USF to do their graduate certificate program in, in infection control. And it was definitely what I wanted to be involved in. I love research. I like the science. Even within infection control, I find ways to do it as a research, um, learning more, finding out more, diving deeper so that you know I can be more equipped to do my job or to be able to help a patient. And so going that route, then I started my MPH because, I mean, it's the logical step. I like the research aspect and I like um, the infection control side of it. And um, it's it's very rewarding being able to prevent things from happening. I mean, um, I, I was talking to um, a nurse the other day and I was saying, um, you know, a, like you will try to emphasize the priority but everybody's priority is different. Like an open heart surgery um, patient, your Foley catheter is not the highest priority on their list. But like taking that step back to say, you know, this patient just had a major surgery. Having an infection could really set them back and almost nullify that surgery. So like given that different perspective to say the entire patient is important, the entire picture is important. While we do prioritize, we want to make sure that we're looking at ways to prevent infections from happening in our patient population. Well, Misha, I appreciate your passion for infection prevention and, and that you said that it's rewarding because we do have a shortage of infection preventionists and we're looking for people from multiple backgrounds oh, to yeah. take an interest in infection prevention. And we are here at BAPIC, the Bay Area APIC conference. And APIC really has an initiative to get more people into infection prevention. What would you tell people that might be considering going into infection prevention, what would be a recommendation uh, for someone that might be thinking about getting into this field? Um, first of all, you have to have a passion for it because it's not like an easy job. It's It requires a lot of thinking, a lot of working after hours kind of thing. Because even if you're not on the computer, your brain is still going like, how could I have done this differently? What could I have done? Or tomorrow I have this, how can I present this information? Because in infection control, you're considered like the police. So you want to find ways of how you can bring the information across that it's received. Because a message is not a message until it's received. So you want to find a way how you can get people to receive. So you have to be passionate about it. Like if you're just going to think you're going to go in and do the job and um, they're just going to have to take it. No, it's constant reinforcement and seeking buy-ins from your stakeholders, um, just different areas of it. So you have to have a passion for it. And I mean, if you have a passion for it, I think um, being an, a microbiologist on my team it diversifies your infection control program. Um, seeing working alongside MPHs, nurses, uh, medical technologists, it brings the whole picture together and it diversifies the program that something that you might not have been thinking about, somebody else will come up with it from the, based on their background, based on their experience. So, I mean, if you have a passion towards infection control, wanting to see the infection rates go down, and you're from any of these backgrounds, I definitely think you should shadow someone, see what they do, and definitely see if you're into it. And if so, I say go for it. 
Fantastic. And Misha, <laughs> if infection preventionists are the police, you're the good cop. We really appreciate you <laughs> being on Clean Sometimes I'm the bad. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> the bad cop. We really appreciate you Thank being you on so Clean much. Talk to get to be Our guest has been Misha Blake Powell here on Clean Talk. I'm your host, Brad Witchurch, reminding you until next time to keep it clean.